I just want to share how, how we do it here in the Philippines. How, how can I do push-up? She showed me she doesn't have a hand. So. And I feel like I'm just starting now to feel like I have a few tools in my tool belt to, to develop a, a culture. They liked anything that was actually making them think. The little siblings, that's fun. And then they always have pets they want to show. I had no idea you had a python. And it's actually not a small python. The scavenger hunts around the home. The boost, the cocoa, and the hat. My yeah, kids yeah. love that. Six plus four plus two equals two. And it's not math. I would say if you struggle with developing a culture in your gym, you are going to struggle developing one virtually. That, that choice actually challenge them, make them think, and then doing things together. That they want to be with other kids. They want to do it with friends. A culture is going to develop. You just yep. you kind of get to, you choose what that culture is going to be. Welcome, physical educators. This is Thinking PE. Because FIED is more than just fun and games. Welcome to another edition of Thinking PE. Jamie, do you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking it's after the holidays, so you're wondering why you got a chunk of coal in your stocking. But <laughs> when it comes to PE, I'd love to know what are you thinking about for PE? That is a great question, Jamie. I'm glad you asked because actually I was thinking about a, an analogy you had given a while back, and it relates to how to fit how to fit PE into di or distance learning into PE. And it just it just doesn't fit. And you talked about Distance learning is like a square peg, and we're trying to jam it into this thing we call PE and trying to get this thing done. And man, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, this, I mean, this whole concept started way back in, in, in March when COVID first took place. And, um, you know, we would, we would acknowledge it's been an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, this, this trying to teach physical education in a virtual setting has really challenged us. Um, but with, with that whole, the whole idea that, it is tough. It is a dumpster fire. It, it's, it, it is challenging. It's, it's, it's horrible. There's been a lot of good that's come out of this yeah. too. And we had a great opportunity. We created this thing called hashtag PE jam session. It was just the idea of, you know, let's, let's gather some people around and let's talk about, let's discuss just like a jam session at, at, a, at a conference. Let's discuss what's working. What, yeah. what, what have you found that's working great? And we, we did just that. We gathered some teachers from around the nation and, Put our heads together. Yeah, and actually it turned out pretty cool because it ended up being around the world. We got oh, true. from visit from the, the Philippines, which just brings an awesome perspective that I'm, I'm excited for people to hear. But yeah, it, it fit kind of back into what we learned way back when we first started discussing um, how PE generally works, if we're, especially at a distance. We're finding what we call the three C's. You want to go into describe that just quickly? Yeah, just and. It started with the premise of teaching in the classroom of, of uh, connection content and, and creativity, and that has, has led to be the same in a virtual setting as well. And in this first part of the jam session, we really, we really honed in on that connection part. You know, we, we know how to connect the students in the gym when they're in our classes with our, with our activities or games, our curriculum. Now, how do we do that in a virtual setting? And that's what we want. We picked the brains of these five teachers from around the world is, what have you been doing in a virtual setting to build that connection? Yeah, as people are listening, I just want them to uh, listen for these three things. If we give kids choices, and again, this is dealing with distance learning, try to try to allow for choices, try to um, make them think in a way. They, they do love to be challenged in different ways to think, and they just love to do things together. So that's kind of how this discussion evolved, and, and those are three things that I picked up on that as you're listening to this, I want, uh, want people to kind of keep an ear out for.
So this first segment segment you're going to listen to, uh, we're going to it's going to start with Jennifer, and she's explaining one of the things that she found that works really really well, and that she enjoyed actually about being forced to do distance learning. Have a listen. One thing that I found that was kind of neat with the district learning is in person we're always being active or moving I don't spend a lot of time like getting I mean I try to get to know my students and in the hallway and stuff but with the way that we're the format that we're using now I take five minutes I have them for 50 minutes on a zoom so I take five minutes and I let them share stuff and it's been kind of nice to actually kind of get to know them a little bit more they show me things in their house some it's a little heartbreaking what they show but <laughs> so I actually feel like in some ways those two weeks when we came back in person, it was kind of nice because I knew this one had a little brother at home and I knew this one had, you know, I just, it was, so in some ways I feel like the relationship is actually a little bit better with some of my students than what it was when we were in person. Cool. What, what kind of things can you elaborate a little bit of some of the things you've seen that you really enjoyed and think pop into your head? The little siblings, that's fun. And then they always have pets they want to show. Um, but just Python, like finding out story <laughs> but you know and that's been kind of a cool thing though because like you know we had kittens at one time when another little girl had kittens so now every day in her seesaw messages to me it's something about our cats you know so i mean it's just kind of fun that we i found that in common with her in the gym i would never have probably found that out right and then it's well, also fun to see some of the parents interact too because a lot of ours like we'll do like videos or something and it's fun when you see the parents jump in and do it too and you know those kids have good support systems yeah, that's heartwarming, for sure. So one of the things we used was, of course, the Flipgrid. And we used the introduced me to you again. Like, it's like you've never been in my class before. So we did that for all of our kids. And of course, then you got introduced in different ways from different kids. And so that was a good way to interact with them. And then we've used the Flipgrid. We do cup stacking. And so they had to show me them doing several different sets of cup stacks. But then we opened one up and said, you can share on this particular Flipgrid account and it goes to everybody in the district or in our school can see it and cool. then can make comments or whatever. And so then they were able to have a little bit of a interaction with each other via the Flipgrid. And they like that. And then in Google Classroom, I would post questions you know, like one of them was a really funny one. We have a deer that actually lives in our house um, most of the time, comes around every year. He only has antlers on one side. And so, but it's every year that way. So it's not something, you know, up oh, there he is, he's back. Well, this year he showed up and he had a bunch of string on one side. And so I got a good picture of him and I said, all right, everybody, what's this deer's name? And that was kind of their, oh, now they got the chat back and forth about what the name was inside a Google Classroom. Nice. So that was fun. And of course, he looks a lot, awful lot like Elliot, if anybody has seen the cartoon. Oh, I haven't. Apparently I need Your kids are too old, Stacy. Uh, yeah. Apparently. <laughs> not really, um, they're, I, 20, they're 25 and still watching cartoons, but yeah. there you go. Just not with you. <laughs> And then we, um, one of the questions I asked, which was fun for get the kids to try to talk and some of them were like, I have no idea, was we did a six plus four plus two equals two. And it's not math. Oh, good. Come up with Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing well, <laughs> if it's math. So explain that more, help, help me out. So. 
the thing we put in was you need to to be thinking sport not math to answer this question so it's six plus four plus two equals two not math six score two boy i'm glad this is a podcast and not people watching the videos because the looks on all of our faces right now are really contorted. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a great, cause I got the kids to actually start going, Oh, is it soccer? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. Kind of got some conversation going back and forth. And then I would tell them if they were close or if they were way off and well, it comes down to it's baseball. Six plus four. Are all Six plus two double play. Yes. Okay. That's what it is. Six to four. To, okay, it's two, 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 two for double to play. Yeah, catcher's got to tag him out. It's not a force no. play. Catcher's got to tag him. <laughs> yeah, you're getting that first. You're getting the the guy running to second because the ball's hit to six. Six throws it to four. Four throws it to two. There's your double play. Double play. Got it. Wow. But that was a good way to get them. Like in class, we could have an actual discussion, and we can't very well on zoom and so that was a way for them over the course of a week to somebody would ask a question somebody would see if they could answer it then i would come in and there was that exchange okay i would say that's the biggest part that was missing from my experience in the spring with distance learning to the fall was in the spring i thought we were really good at coming up with creative activities and and keeping the kids active and trying to insert a little bit of content, but it was, it was real tough to find relationships because we really, my district didn't open uh, uh, Google Meets till very, very late. Um, just just as uh, trying to trying to figure this whole thing out. But now we have Google Meets and, and now we're trying to find those creative ways to, like you said, build relationships with the kids, but now we're doing it virtually. So yeah, we did see a lot of pets uh, in a true story, a Python kid holds up, I have a Python. I'm like, I had no idea you had a Python. And it's actually not a small python. So uh, make sure you put the lid on that tank. Yeah, right. <laughs> there it is. A kid had a raccoon that was a pet. A raccoon. <laughs> well, okay. It would be fun. It'd be fun to put that, maybe something like that out on Twitter or Facebook and see what's the craziest <laughs> pet you've seen. Because I bet we've all seen <laughs> some crazy stuff. Yeah. So aside from uh, Flipgrids or, you know, face-to-face -face Google Meets, is there anything else out there that really, um, you know, Schoology, I think, is another one. Is there any other platform or anything else out there that really promotes student-to-student -student interaction? Because quite truthfully, Flipgrid's the only thing that I'm real familiar with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was another. I've got to look for it. There was another one that that someone in our district had used. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, if you find it, throw it in the chat too. And anything you put in the chat, then we can put on the the show notes later. So if you have resources or something that come to mind, just throw it in there. So while you look for that, Matt, I have a question for you, or Justin, or maybe anybody can answer. But uh, when it comes to Flipgrid, you talked about having kids comment on on, on stuff back and forth. Uh, a fear that that I've heard with that is is the negative comments. Is that something you had to pre-teach? You know, is uh, really the the appropriate behavior and being respectful, or is that just something you kind of learned on the fly? Um, for ours, we talk about that all the time in just school in general. 
And so it was just re-emphasizing those things back in the classroom okay. teachers. We used it just like the chat box. You know, it has to be appropriate in the chat box. It has to be appropriate there. And I put in the directions, if anybody got anything inappropriate to please immediately contact me so that I could take care of it. Mm -hmm. But for the most of my assignments, I don't open them up for them to do a major chat back and forth. <clears throat> that was just one of those, hey, we're playing with cups. And usually that's one of the things where you want to show off what you can do. Yeah. And so I let them have that opportunity to show off how fast or what they were building or what the, you know, they were doing with their cups. Yeah. And my older kids were actually pretty good um, commenting with the younger kids. Oh, One cool. of the things that we do with um, our sixth graders are always tag teamed with our kindergartners. And so they're considered reading buddies and all that normally. Of course, this year that's been a, a little bit of an issue, but that's something that they've all grown up with because they all had a sixth grade buddy when they were in kindergarten and how to interact. And so then we have our pods that are kind of the same way. And so we tell them, you know, your job is to interact with those kids appropriately and help them. Okay. So I think that speaks a lot to developing a culture. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I would, I would even kind of go out on a limb and say, if you struggle with developing a culture in your gym, you are going to struggle developing one virtually. Yeah. If you yeah. we're able to develop a culture in your gym, you're probably able to transfer that, you know, the, the appropriate and given comments and things like that. So Matt, were you able to find what you were looking for? I did. It was Padlet. I say that again? Padlet. Oh, I might have heard of that before. I've heard of it. I just yeah. haven't used it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I know. So you, I, can, you can I open up different categories and search for, um, you know, different ideas. You can probe the kids for different ideas that they'd want to play with the game and they can fill it all in or you could um, ask for examples of how they completed different activities and they could fill it in on that pad and just goes straight down you can add on multiple columns well jamie i heard python siblings pets uh parent interaction flipgrid Cup stacking, double play. Oh my goodness! What a random, what a random thing. How? What did you take from that? How do you, how do you unpack that and put that, put that in something that makes sense? I think it, it, it all revolves around developing a culture, and we spent a tremendous amount of time, especially at the beginning of each year, developing or, or revisiting our culture in the gym. You know, so setting our, setting our norms, our expectations, and. I think we need to step back and realize that you need to take that time to do that in a virtual setting too. You know, that culture is just not going to develop on its own. Well, let me take a step back because you made a great point in a podcast back with, uh, I think it was with Dr. Christy Malley from Lenore State University. We talked about developing a culture. Yeah. And I think you made the statement that a culture is going to develop. You just yep. you kind of get to, you choose what that culture is going to be. Yeah. And that's, I really firmly believe that, you know, we, we've talked, like I said, we've talked about culture, but it is, it's so important here online and I've this is just truth truth telling here I struggled that first couple groups that I had online I was just kind of spinning my wheels and I feel like I'm just starting now to feel like I have a few tools in my tool belt to to develop a, a culture and these the, the things that these guys talked about were, were part of it developing um, I think it was Jennifer that started off talking about 
how she just took, takes five minutes and gets to know the kids. And, and I'd like to spend a little time talking about not just what they mentioned, but we always like to talk about the why, mm -hmm. not just what teachers do, what good teachers do, but why. You know, so you think about Jennifer, I mean, she didn't tell us this outright, but what do you think? Why do you think she takes that five minutes at the beginning of her classes? Well, I think it's the exact same. You're taking, the, just like you would take the time in a class to listen about the kids lose tooth, uh, the new cat that they got. I mean, all, all the stories that kids come with, you're just taking that. We talked about building a relationship with students and it's in that moment of time that a student feels important. Yeah. And it's when they have an opportunity to bring, you know, they used to tell us about their new pet. Well, now they get to show it to us. They get to show us the python. I mean, this kid, I never knew the kid had a python here. It's great big, like, hey, make sure you put the lid on that thing. Uh, but how cool is that? I mean, that, to, you know, allow that, that, that kid the opportunity to, to, to share. Yeah, it's so cool. And, and something I will probably do at some point, but I'd love to put out a Twitter survey or that type of thing. And, get teacher stories of the strangest pets that we that you've come across. I mean, I, I like saw iguana and you saw a python and I'm, I'm sure there's crazier stuff around the country that, that people have had. But it's, but it's, it's creating it's that the two way interaction. It's, yeah. it's creating that two way interaction that, that made me personally that I was missing back in the spring when COVID first broke out. Yeah. And we were, we were sending out meaningful activities for students to, uh, to participate in. Well, now we're starting to get some of that, that two-way interaction and, again, developing that culture. You know, I think you just, let, let's reiterate that. I, I love that you, you, I don't know, it's not a coined phrase, but that, that two-way interaction piece, I think, is huge. You, you just kind of brought that up, but that's what we were, we're, we're trying to get to. If you want to build not only a culture, but if you want to build this, uh, this connection with kids, you can't build a connection with, a, well, you can, a little bit of a connection you can build with, with one way. Mr. Rogers did it, you know, yeah. <laughs> but to really get that and build that trust and stuff with those kids, I, I think, I think you just stumbled on something there that, that that's huge, that two way, two way street. Well, and there's some other tools that we talked about and one of them being Flipgrid was, you know, you're just thinking what, what are some tools that we have at our, at our disposal so that kids can interact with each other? And, and yep. we can interact with them and, and Flipgrid has turned out to be a great opportunity um, for kids to, to post short videos and, and see what each other are doing, comment on what each other are doing. So I, I just think it's, a, again, it goes back to that two-way, that, that interaction piece mm -hmm. that, that kids are, are, are thriving for. So let me nail you down on that a little bit. You use Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. Why? Like I said, we want to get to the why of things. You've kind of danced around it a little bit, but name what are one or two or three two, of the reasons two, you two use specific them. reasons that, that I use Flipgrid is number one, just to create that interaction with student to student. So kids can see what each other are doing. I mean, take jump rope, for example, they can they can show off their tricks, uh, jump roping skills or, you know, whatever. But and, and I get to see them, too. And the other way I use it for is, is an assessment tool um, just in that when we use the term expert, if they're meeting a standard, they can show that they're, that they're an expert and I can actually jot that down in my grade book. So it, it's, a, it's primarily used just for interaction, but a byproduct of that is I can use it for assessments too. Yeah, no, that's, that's huge. And it doesn't, the advantage of Flipgrid is it makes it fair for the kids that are in daycare that can't get to a computer until later in the day, they can't be with you during the day mm -hmm. or whatever the re thousands of reasons it makes it fair so they can still feel part 
of your class and they can interact with kids even though it's not live it feels live because uh, they're they're there virtually even if it's not at the exact same time and it's safe too is that you can it's secure in that it can be closed to that specific group of kids where yeah. outside outside people can't see you know data privacy and, and protecting the students yeah so a great tool yeah you know, i don't i don't know Matt, Matt brought up Padlet too, and I'm not an expert on Padlet, so I guess people are going to have to kind of go out and do their own research, but from what he was saying, and I understand about it, it that's another nice tool. Yeah, it sounds like it's, it's uh, a similar, similar tool just to create an interaction and engagement among, among the students. Yeah. So, you know, another one that we, that we have at our disposal just in our own, our own Google Meets is, is, the, is the chat. And um, I, I would be the first to admit that that was an immediate headache was having that chat open for students to use because all kinds of garbage was put in that chat. And on the same token, we're trying to create interaction. So now we're, why would we take away something that's creating interaction? Yeah. And it just comes back to building that culture. I had not established a culture yet around right. the, the chat on our live meets. Yeah, well, and that's huge. I mean, cause if you just turn it on, you're you're going to be developing a culture like we said it's going to develop <laughs> it might not be what you want unless you do like justin talked about they 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 go through that on a regular basis they talk about expectations and then they teach it and then they you know they monitor it and they shut it down if it's out of you know if it's out of control and then they'll try again and reteach and if you do that that's that culture that develops and now you've got yourself a whole new tool that kids can use appropriately and again why it comes down to the why it, you might shut it off for certain days because your why what you want to get done that day doesn't involve that kind of interaction so it, it's not like a, a one and done type of a thing where this is always a good idea or it's always a terrible idea this is this is what makes professional pe teachers professional it's thinking through okay what is this tool done have i established the culture enough to use it and if yes then it'll be a great tool and if not back to the dumpster fire <laughs> it's gonna it'll burn you and it's not gonna feel good but that's where we're at with a lot of this we're we're about trying it and then you reteach and then you can maybe use it later i guess so you know as as we look forward here this next section we're gonna need a lot of resources um but specifically we're gonna be looking at how we use these resources and, and the benefits of, of the live sessions. Yeah, we did. We did, we talked a little bit about that in, in several places, but from the experience of the teachers that we've talked to so far, a lot of them speak very positively of these live interactions with, with students. And this next section has a, a bunch of resources to so get your pen and paper handy or just get ready to go back and look at the, at the show notes. A lot of different resources that people use live, even though a lot of these you could also set up in your Google Classroom for students to use when they can't be live. They work there too, but it seems like we've had a lot of success with these live sessions. Let's take a listen. I didn't think this would be successful is the having 30 kids on at a time and being able to do anything beneficial. <laughs> and so I would put a lot of time and effort into writing some good lessons that they would do on their own. And I would meet with them um, live for a short period of time and then just kind of turn them over to the well laid out lesson. But what I found is that 
small amount of time I have with them actually has been incredibly productive. I am able to get 30 kids, kind of like you talked about, Jamie, you build that culture. And I think our, our teachers have done a good job with that at our school or something because they came ready, kind of eager to like, okay, what are we going to do? And we're going to do this together. And so when, you know, we, we do some type of activity, the first day I just did like rock, paper, scissors, me versus them. And they loved it. I couldn't believe it. It was just like, okay, I thought I was just kind of just trying to warm up or yeah. we were done moving on to the next thing. Can we do another one? I'm like, really? You just, just me versus them individually. And if they lost, they have to do an exercise or something like that. You know, it's just that simple, but it seems like they just thoroughly enjoy doing something together, even though they're apart, they're seeing each other doing it. They're doing rock, paper, scissors. They, they beat me, but they're like, oh, I'll do them anyway, you know? And so I don't know, is there any of that kind of thing that you found out is about how was the live portion compared to trying them, trying to get them to do things on their own? Any, any comparison there or any things that work? I think the internet's the biggest issue. Um, so going into Halloween, I didn't do our usual dance Halloween stuff. And I actually got some slack back for not doing it from the kids. Good. And so for Christmas, we went, okay, let's do some of our dancing. And it was kind of funny. The, the kids that are brand new to our school were like, we don't like this. It's really laggy. We can't see it as good, you know, that kind of stuff. But the rest of the kids were like, yeah, but we've done this so much in class that we all know what we're supposed to be doing. Okay. And so for the most part, they made up that difference for that lag on some of them. Okay. Um, and then one of the ones that worked out really well for us that I thought was hilarious is the kids liked anything with choices. Yeah. And so we would play a video and it would give them a choice of picking, you know, A, B or C or whatever. And then they got to do whatever was underneath that choice. Yeah. Um, the other one that I found hilarious that I was able to tie in science and mathematics into PEs to some extent was, and I'll have to look them up now because I can't remember what they called, but they were, they would have three doors and you've been kidnapped by a crazy man and you have to get out of this building oh, and the power is out. Behind door one is a bunch of chains or a bunch of saws. Behind two is <laughs> um, lava. Behind three is an explosive bomb which door do you choose to get out? And the kids were like, well, at first they were like, what? No, no, that's impossible. But you had to listen to the whole story because the power's out. So you go the one with the saws because the saws aren't gonna work, it's electric. Got it. But they liked anything that was actually making them think their way through a process. Yeah, you, you mentioned two things there, Justin, that I resonate with me is, Number one, they love to be challenged and make them think, but that choice, that choice thing. Yeah, we, we did this thing. It's a Google slideshow that came through Twitter. Jamie, I don't know if you ever guys found all the guy's name. I'd like to give him a shout out, but it's, you know, just finding the, you know, find the snowman and there's three different places he could be behind the hat. Jennifer, the boots, seen yeah, it. the boost, the cocoa and the hat. My yeah, kids yeah. love that. So, it's so simple, but it, it speaks to what Justin was saying. It's that um, that choice. And then I also think it's they're doing it together. You know, it's like a game at school where, yeah, they're in their own room, but they can see other kids exercising. They're picking one. They, you know, somebody else is picking something different. But 
I don't know. So I don't know those in, in my mind as I'm trying to hash through this, what key factors can we take from this? I think Justin nailed a couple of them there. That, that choice, actually challenge them, make them think, and then doing things together. Um, I, I really think those are three that have hit me so far. I kind of wanted to, to bring that up. Any other? Go ahead. So Jennifer. our kids, we do 50 minutes of Zoom, and we've been kind of told not to keep them on for the full 50 minutes to give them that lesson, like you said, that we've created and send them on their own to do it. Yep. So that's kind of how we started the year. But as the years progress, I kind of decided that I let them choose. If they want to go work on their own, they could. If they wanted to stay, we would do the lesson together. We don't always get through all of it. But I found at the beginning, everybody like logged off and they left. But as the years went on, mm. I've found that they stay and they want to do the lesson together. So even though I've designed it where like, you know, it reads to the little ones and stuff, they want to stay on and we do the whole lesson together. So I've been keeping mine on for the full 50 minutes and we end up doing a lot of the lesson together. But like you said, they want to be with other kids. They want to do it with friends. Yes. Yeah. Um. So just a quick, quick shout out though. I did find that uh, I find Brian Frosting is from Mr. Underscore C underscore PE. He's out yeah. on the out on the East Coast, or Ross is his name. And I, I like that idea of, of, of that where students have to find something and not take and take that concept with Justin's idea of make it a make it a trivia, make a trivia question. So now they have three different choices and you have to choose the you have to show me the exercise to show it to tell me what that answer was or something along those lines where in order in order they're not telling you the answer, they're showing you the answer. They're showing you the answer by doing a certain yes. jumping. A certain exercise, a jumping jack, a push-up, or a uh, or a mountain climber. Yes. At yeah. Thanksgiving, I found people. one that was a lot. It was an I spy. So they had so many seconds to find, and then they gave them the number choice. If you found four, you did this exercise. If you found five, you did it, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, well we and also see. the the scavenger hunts around the home. Yeah. Showing different. Those are a huge hit. Yep. A oh, good one. Um, I will say. Go ahead, Some people have had a problem with that one. So not in our district, but in Albuquerque, the biggest area in our district, they did scavenger hunts and they turned them into go touch, don't bring us. Yeah. Because one of them was go bring us something pink. And well, they brought something that shouldn't have been. We did a lot of those, but it was go touch. Don't yep. bring us. Go touch a book. Go touch a pencil. Go touch a... Yeah. And we had to add on ours when we did those because we had so many kids that was Zooming from their parents' office or somewhere right. that they give the choice. You either go get something red or you do jumping jacks or you go yeah. get something or you do because we had a lot of yeah. kids who didn't have those things. Yeah. One of the coolest things I ended up doing was just to get to know them, I asked them to share or go get something that you made or you created. And that was a, that was a pretty cool... Pretty cool thing. I had some kids that are super, super proud to show me, you know, everything ranging from an art project to Legos they built to, you know, some super creative stuff. So that, that was a neat, um, neat deal. Well, Jamie, I got two big words to throw at you. There's synchronous and asynchronous learning. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard of this, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. And I know we haven't done a flat out study, so we don't know all the details of this, but in your opinion, when it comes to connection, connecting with students, where, where, do, you, where do you lie as far as your opinion on which is better, being synchronous or asynchronous? Well, first it's the asynchronous versus synchronous. I, I, you help me remember that, that synchronous is when you're doing something together, face to face, synchronized, like synchronized swimming, 
Martin Short, Saturday Night Live skit. That's how I remember synchronous. Okay. <laughs> My mind works out. Like uh, but, you know, go, going back, going back to with, with the idea of connection. And I just, I just take us back. First of all, acknowledging that we're all in different places. Right. Districts are set up differently with different resources, different opportunities. But we haven't done a formal study, but I'm confident we've talked to enough, enough teachers from around the nation to find that if you're doing something synchronous face to face with the students, it, it lends to be a better product, a better experience for the students themselves. And that's, I, I can say that pretty, just thinking back even to when, when COVID first hit and we were doing lessons in March and putting out meaningful activities for students to do, the thing that was missing was that interaction. Right. Teacher to student, student to student, there's just no interaction. Yeah. And now we have that, we have a tool to create that and that's, that's live, live sessions. Yeah. And, and Flipgrid and those types of tools are, are great. But when you compare them to the success we've really had with, uh, with connecting with students live, not in person, but live, then it, it just, it really doesn't compare. And, and you want to share, you do something that you're very purposeful when you're live that'll illustrate why it's so important. And I'm, I'm actually, and again, my district's very, districts are set up differently. Right. Um, my, my district set us up very well with, with the technology and the equipment and the tools to, to, to do this, where I have, a, I, have, I have my laptop that I have, I'm signed in you know, as myself. I'm also signed in on a, on a big screen TV. So I'm signed in into the Google Meet twice and on the big screen TV, I have the grid view so I can see all the kids, but then I have my laptop so I can still see my, my slideshow and I split my screen then so that the kids can see me and my slideshow and, and share my whole screen. And anyways, the end product of that is when from the students, what the students see, they see me and they see my slides. What I see is I see all of the kids so that I can, I can call their names. I can see them doing the activities. They can see me doing the activities with them. And that's, that's as far as engagement come, goes and building relationships with students that has been invaluable. Yeah. And you, you like call their names or something. You're very purposeful at that, right? I absolutely make it and absolutely make it. A, when I do 10, I do 10 minute movement breaks throughout the day. Is, uh, and part of that in that 10 minute movement break. So 10 minute movement breaks uh, some, sometime in the day, at least call their names twice. So you have uh, 25 to 30 kids in a class and at least call their names twice. And I make that purposeful so that they, they hear their name. They, they know that I'm watching them. They, they can see me doing the activity, but they know that I'm watching them do it too. Yeah. And I've, it's, just, I've it's the same as, it's the same as if you're giving feedback in class, you're walking around the gym, monitoring students, groups of students moving throughout the whole gym, calling out names and, and providing that, that instant feedback to kids. And that's, I'm just doing it in a virtual setting. Yeah. And it, it, it actually works quite well because they hear your, their name come over their speakers in their home quite, quite well. It's not blended down with a bunch of other noise. You're, you're calling them out in a positive way. And yeah, I've, I've picked up on that. I've really tried to, uh, tried to do that as well. And I liked the result of it for sure. Any other things with the, the, the idea of making connection in, in live sessions? You know, and there's maybe something you can speak to we, the, as the, the group we were talking to, some couple of things they really highlighted was providing choice for students, um, making kids, yeah. again, going back to what we, what we said to listen for, making kids think, and then providing those opportunities where kids work together. Just want to touch on some of those ideas of, of, of the choice and working together. Yeah, I, I think, I'm glad you brought that back up again, because that, that really hit me. Uh, you probably heard it during the, the segment. It was like, whoa, yeah, if I can nail this down, the 
the things I'm trying, trying to provide for students, the activities, if I can keep them under those categories. And again, we're going to talk about the why. Okay, I'm not going to do this fine frosty activity just to do it. What am I thinking ahead of time? And this is part of the thinking. They're more engaged when they have more choices. Um, I, I love the idea of taking some of these would you rathers and some of these things that are now pretty prevalent out on online. You can find a lot of really good things like where you're giving kids choices, but when you're live there with them, you can um, you can hone that in and now not just keep them busy. You can really, like I, I just did a jump rope unit and I just incorporated the jumping, different types of jumps instead of just a random exercise, I can put in a GIF of a very specific exercise. So now it not only it's I'm not only connecting with them and giving those opportunities, but it's fitting into exactly what I want in my curriculum as we as we go as well. So I, I really like those types of activities that were that were mentioned in the in the previous segment. Yeah, just the you know great teaching is is that personalized learning and, and, and voice and choice for the students and how do we how do we offer that now in a virtual setting? And again, we're all set up differently in our districts, and we totally acknowledge that and understand that. But it's just um, Rather, rather than it's that grow, go back to the growth mindset rather than talk about all the barriers you have of how you can't do something think of that one or two ways that, that you're able to do it and and that's you know that's the hallmark of great teaching yeah and th these live sessions again we're, we're honing in on this live session just because that, that's the topic right now i still put together i, I believe high quality lessons that are out there on you know on the google classroom type setting and so the, the kids that can't be within a live setting, setting can access it and they can still have a top-notch education. But we're just happen to be talking about that, um, the live sessions here in, in this segment. That, that's what, I just feel like we've been kind of like <laughs> rah-rahing live sessions over the others. I, I, I hesitate to do that too much. And you brought up the fact that all districts are set up different. Some people might not have access to that. We're not trying to say that you're not doing a good job if you can't do live sessions. I just want to make sure we're not coming across that way at all. But we have found teachers that have had, they feel like they've had breakthroughs and are actually having success teaching that, that square pig we call distance learning. It, the corners are getting rounded off and it's starting to fit at least to fill the hole. Maybe it doesn't fit perfectly and go all the way through or whatever, but it, it is working. And I believe the live things seem to be what's driving a lot of the success from what from what I've heard from teachers. Yeah, and so in this next section, we have a great opportunity to speak to Olga, who who really really grounded us in the in the growth mindset of somebody that we're, we're my my district we're set up awesome we're set up great I've got the big screen TV and Olga really really put it in perspective of could very easily go down the road of look at all the obstacles that I have and all the barriers and instead has that growth mindset of. Look at all the stuff that I that I doing a, a fantastic job and in, in stepping over some of those barriers that that I never even knew existed. So it was, it was really humbling and really really put it in perspective. And then also made me think about some of those some of those kiddos that that we may not be reaching, even even though even though I might be set up really great. So it, it's a shorter section, but it's a really really impactful section. So let's take a listen. I I, I want to jump to the Olga. Can, can we tap you here? Would you share what, what, you, what you were saying or wanting to share in the chat? 
I just want to share how how we do it here in the Philippines. It's so nice for you to to do all those things with your students, but here in our situation here right now, you really we really do modules wherein we really do distance learning. They are from other provinces here in the Philippines, and then we just communicate with them through Google Meet, Google Chat, and also Messenger, wherein they really uh, that's that's how we we connect right uh, the connection that we're saying with our students wherein they will tell all their concerns on how we're gonna do with the modules how they're gonna submit it all like that but um hearing from your stories is so fun that you really really what we call that um do those scavenger hands with your students but as it's just purely modules wherein really communicate just through messenger or through google meet okay but for the activities that they do it's like uh, yeah, Th those was just like for example for for our fitness. There's this one student. Uh, they are required to do some um, to do push-ups, but when we were doing our Google Meet, my students said that how 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 can I do push-up because I haven't met them. We were <laughs> haven't met them really classroom setting. No, that's why <laughs> I haven't seen them. So my students said. How can I do push up? She showed me she doesn't have a hand. So, so, oops, that's for me. This how, how are we gonna do it? It's really like adapted PE where you really have to um, do some research like that to do some other activities, do maybe exercises or maybe like the therapy. Some and that's your um, alternative activity for that um, requirement, like that. Those are just like the connections that we do with our students. Thank you. Oh, that's such a great perspective, Olga. Keep keep jumping in. Don't don't uh, don't wait to be invited. Don't be shy. When you have something to say, <laughs> jump in. That, you have so so much. It's such a great perspective. We we get in our own group think here because we do things one way. But wow, what, what you just shared that's that, that's a great point. But again, thank you, Olga, and feel free to jump in anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Hey Stacey, so Olga from the, from the Philippines, you know, on the other side of the world, she actually had to calculate the time difference to make sure she got, was able to join our meeting on time, which is really, really cool. Way cool. Uh, but just brought a whole new perspective of, we we're talking about connections and she grounded us in, you know, how are you connecting with those students that might necessarily be able to be part of the group? Huge. If you're doing push-ups, all of a sudden you have a student that doesn't have one hand. How do you connect, how do you ensure that that student can be part of the group? Yeah. And it's, it's no different than when we're doing a jump rope activity. There's going to be kids that don't have jump ropes. So how, how do you ensure that they can be part of the group or, or if they don't have a ball or whatever the case is, again, we talk about that growth mindset and we can come up with lots of barriers. How do we, how do we overcome those barriers? Yeah. And it's just that overall question that you're bringing up of, you know, how do you make sure that every kid can connect and especially those ones. And you really got to start thinking, way beyond just because usually when you're setting up a activity in your head you got this idea you got this picture and oh here the kids could do this at home they could use a cardboard box to set this or they could use a this you know they could use a sock well now i've got kids that are in daycare at a school board <coughs> so i can't just say go get a sock whereas in my head you know back in the spring everybody was at home pretty much and so it was like oh yeah well use a sock you use this 
but I've got to now think through, oh, how about those kids at a daycare? What about kids that's at grandma's house? What about, okay, how can I include those things? And, and, and that doesn't even include what Olga was talking about, about people that have uh, other, uh, other restraints in, in lots of different ways, not just physically, but you know, now connection wise, what well, kid that their Wi-Fi goes out, what, what can they do? All those types oh, yeah. of things. We've got to, you know, you said it earlier, this, every school set up differently. Some schools have done a great job of being able to get every kid technology, but I'll guarantee there's some that they're so remote that they can't. And so now what, and how can we really embrace all those students? It, it's, it's a hard question, but it's, I, I love how she brought it up to make us really think on that grand of a scale. Yeah, it's really like, go, go back to our gyms, you know, remember way back when we were in our gyms with our students, <laughs> remember those places? And we did an activity and a kid was struggling. What, what did you do to help that student? You know, how, how did you differentiate? How did you adapt? How did you provide feedback? What, what, how did you encourage? And, you know, initially when, it, when COVID hit back in March and we were just started distance learning, I, personally, I, I wasn't doing those things yeah. virtually. I was providing, I was again, trying to provide those meeting activities so kids could, could be active. Yep. But now we're starting, I think, and that's the, that's how we're growing as teachers is now we're starting to think of ways that we can help, we can, again, we can adapt, we can adjust, we can differentiate, we can accommodate yeah. um, these students that, that so, so that we're reaching all children. And one of the things, I, this is maybe a pet, I don't want to call it pet peeve, but it's something that the, the idea of equity, I, I like it, but I feel like it's been flipped on its head. The idea, I think, of equity was that we need to bring all kids up with opportunities so all kids can participate. The idea wasn't to restrict, you know, okay, like you said, one kid in your whole school doesn't have jump rope. That doesn't mean, oh, we don't do jump rope, at least in my mind. Now, I might be put on a firing block for, for that, but the way I love the way you're approaching it, Jamie, all those words you just used were adapt overcome figure out how to include we're not looking at oh what we can't do it's you know, how could we figure out like our district we had kids without wi-fi and they looked at it and they said well we can get hot spots to those kids wow that's fantastic instead of saying what we can't do what can we do to bring every everybody in i don't know what your thoughts are on that but it, that's I just don't like the idea of let's restrict everybody to the lowest common denominator. Let's bring everybody up to the highest common denominator possible is how I'd like to view that whole, the, the whole idea. Well, I think it's accurate. I don't think the intention ever was to, to bring the group down, but that was the immediate fix. Yeah. That, that was how, that was how we were able to include all the students was to just, just not do things that, that, that right. forced us to think outside of the box. Yep. Yep. So, Anyway, do you have anything more to say on that or should we wrap this thing up here? No, I think it's ready for, a, you know, it's the holiday season, so put a bow tie around it. Put a yeah. bow tie, put a, put a ribbon around it. Yeah, well, I was just trying to figure out what, what to do. And I think back to the, how we started this off and talked about if you're looking for ways to help kids connect and connect with kids, um, give them choices and make them think. And the third one we talked about was have them do things together. And we have found if you can do that live, it works even better. But in some way, shape, or form, do those things to get to, to really get that connection made. And that 
Thinking PE. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Thinking PE. Find us on all your favorite podcast providers by searching Thinking PE. For more resources and videos, go to www.thinkingpe.com. Thanks for listening.